Father God, I pray that you would give us ears to hear, use me tonight, and a whole day, a whole week, a whole month of distractions. So, dear Lord, we want to hear from you. Let us tune into Jesus tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Talking about distractions. Anybody ever get distracted? So this morning, I have a routine on Saturdays. It's what I do on Saturdays. I get up, drink coffee, make fun of Lynn. It's a great thing. Bedhead, all that stuff, right? But today I get a phone call. Hey, hey. And I know that when that phone call is coming, Amanda's coming out for a visit with two people in tow. So I was like, oh, okay, okay. Well, come on out. I'm not doing anything. I'm just going to prepare this little uh, start of a brand new series on the Sermon on the Mount. There he is. There he's doing his thing. That's okay. We love him. Amen. Jesus said, let the children come forward. The kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these, right? That's what, right? So we're to approach that. Anyway, they came out. I got to tell you, I, I was just getting back and then that happened. More distraction. But you know what? Praise God. Amen. So we're starting a new series, Sermon on the Mount. It's probably, well, it is the longest discourse we have of Jesus. Three chapters of just straight Jesus. Amen. And we're starting that tonight. We're going to talk about the Beatitudes. Anybody know what Beatitudes means? Okay. Anybody know? Giovanna, you know. Anybody? Who said that? What'd you say? Beautiful attributes. Especially favored, highly favored, that's you, right? It's not do attitudes, it's be attitudes. So, uh, in spite of all the distractions, we do have a message tonight. We're going to start it. Glad you're here. It's a nice crowd, isn't it? See some people we haven't seen in a while? A couple people? I know, just kidding. I'd rather not. <laughs> that's a joke. It's a joke. Relax, we can do that in church. Turn to your Bibles. I'm going to pick it up at the end of chapter 4. Let me ask you a question now. Matthew, chapter 4. We're going to pick the last uh, paragraph in chapter 4, and then we're going to talk about chapter 5. But if you could, how many of you guys would go back and do things over differently? If you could. Well, I know with Jesus, he causes all. We know he causes all the work for good. But there are sometimes you just need to reset. Like when I used to play uh, video games with my son, and occasionally I'd win, he'd always want to redo when I won. Man, do you remember? But sometimes you wish you could go back and be born again. That's possible with Christ, that you can be born again. In fact, it's a requirement for entering the kingdom of God. You need to be born Again, right? So as we speak of these beatitudes, or these highly favored, special promises, they belong primarily to God's people. People that have said yes to Jesus, that have taken a knee. But there are several different ways to look at the beatitudes. And I like the way Martin Luther looked at it, because I'm kind of a Martin Luther fan. I'm not going to get into what who he was at the end of his life, but I'm saying everybody gets off track from time to time, right? Martin Luther looked at this almost like the law in a different way in that this is such a high, lofty view of God's promises. Nobody could possibly do this. So what it does is, at that point, it drives you to your knees in repentance going, wow, Jesus, thank you for the grace that saved me because nobody can live up to this. However, 
The repentance that drives you to your knees, it humbles you and shows and opens you up so you actually possibly could do a few of these and get it right. Amen? We doesn't mean we will, but it means through the power of Christ in me because of my repentance and my repentant heart and my humility, God makes it possible for actually to do some of these. Does that make sense? So Barry and I are privileged to work with a lot of people with a lot of means, uh, big bucks, that have absolutely no problems. Look at your neighbor and say, do you have any problems? Now answer them honestly, and I'm watching, so is Jesus. Blessed are you, guys, because we know people that don't have any real problems, and to me, that's a curse. They have no desire, no need for God. They think they've got it all figured out. We call them Murtaugh's, Mr. Together. We meet them all the time. They have no needs. Murtaugh's good. Or Mercer's dog, you can have that too. But my point is, you're blessed when you face all kinds of problems in your life that you can't figure out. You can't figure, some of you, and I know some of your issues, they're big, big time. God is the God of the third option. Right? Always has been, always will. So nothing is too big that he can't restore. Nothing is too big that he can't fix. You've heard us say, no pit that he can't reach down and grab you out of. But here's the thing. You've got to cooperate. You can go your own way. Do it. I wouldn't suggest it. I've tried it. It really doesn't work that well. It really is not very good. You're better off just to get with God's program. He's got it all figured out. So, you know what? Blessed... Let me do this. I'm going to pick it up at the end of chapter 4. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Hit pause on that. Can you imagine? If it says every, then that whole place must have just been like cleansed. There's a scripture, I can't remember where it is, that said uh, there's been a great light in this area. Can you imagine for that moment in time, all the disease, all the sickness, all the stuff just kind of gone and eradicated, gone. What a, what a microcosm of what heaven's going to be like. Because it says, every affliction among the people. So his fame spread through all, throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures, paralytics, and he healed them. That's a picture of us. That's us. You're going to say, man, those were some jacked up folk for real. It's you, and it's me. You're jacked up. Behind all the fancy pretty hairstyles and all that stuff, and your cool-looking flat caps, whatever you got, you're jacked up for real, big time. That's who he came for. Jesus said later, he goes, I came for the sick, not the healthy. Now, the cool thing is, young people, you don't have to go through the sicknesses that much because you're, you're knowing Jesus at a younger age. Praise God. So hopefully you'll avoid some of the pitfalls that you see people like us going in. Amanda, can I share the story of, uh, I think I will. Thank you. Amanda <laughs> goes, I just hate coming because I'm always part of the sermon. Because I remember one time we were giving her a testimony in somewhere in Oklahoma or something. And it was a great thing. We got to pray for a lot of people. Some people got saved. It was an amazing thing. And Amanda, my daughter, was actually, is he doing it? Was actually upset that she didn't have a testimony. But I'm going to say this. That is your testimony. 
The testimony that you've never had to go through, the stuff that we've had to go through is your testimony. That is the norm. That's the way it should be, not the way, the other way, which God causes all to work for good. Praise God. We're all happy that God causes all to work for good for those that are called according to love and called according to his purpose, right? That love God. Aren't you glad? So he can, but the, the norm should have been like you guys or you. You shouldn't have had to go through all that. You did all the things, uh, but you still needed a Savior. Amen. You're still jacked up. Look at your brothers and say, you're jacked up. You still need a Savior. You're good. You're a good little guy, but you need a Savior. Amen. You're sick, but you're healed in Jesus' name. So here they are. Out of all this need came the answer, Jesus. He came into our mess. He didn't wait for you to get it all cleaned up. He came into, and ironically, born in a manger. And you know what might have been a little stink? Where's Jamie? It's probably stinky in the manger, you know? You know what I'm saying? To me, it's a great picture of God jumping in the middle of your mess and going, it may be too much for you or you or you, but it's not too much for me. If you would give me a chance, just give me a chance to do what I can do. I'm a fix thing. I'm a fixer. I'm a way maker. I can fix things if you would let me. So here is, that's the backdrop of what's going on. He's beginning to get famous, but he wasn't worried about being famous. He came for us, pronouncing that the kingdom of God is right now. We're not to wait for it like heaven later. The kingdom of God is right now. We're living in the kingdom of God. Look at your neighbor and say, we're living in the kingdom of God. But you don't act like very much. No, just kidding. Don't say that. The Sermon on the Mount. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. I think it's crazy because Moses came down the mountain. The law. And grace came up. Thank you, Jesus, right? And I think it's cool here. It says his disciples came to him. So all of these people came. And they say they were, there were lots of people. Some came for the miracles. Some came because they thought he'd make them rich. Some came because they wanted to see the show. But some came for him. They, I want to be with Jesus. I want to hear what he says because I know, I know he, he's different. Sometimes we meet people all the time. Actually, sometimes we meet people all the time. Is that one of those things? I thought so. We meet people all the time that are into the, they want to come to the show, but they don't want to deny themselves and take up their cross and walk with Jesus every day. They want to do whatever they can do. You know, they kind of want to have the best of both worlds. It's a lie. Sammy Hager lied to us. There is no best of both worlds. You have to make a choice, right? If you want to uh, get these blessings. There's a way to do it, and Jesus is going to show us the way. And I think if you look at the Beatitudes, it's almost like a, uh, a code of conduct for his children of the kingdom. I don't think necessarily that this is a, an introduction on how to be saved, but I think there are some components that, that uh, if you look at them, might show you a part of the way to be saved. The first thing you have to do is recognize you need a Savior. Right? Watch this. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know what poor in spirit means? You got nothing. You've got nothing in your bank. You got there's no chance of going to heaven. You're spiritually bankrupt. You're done. You're toast. That's a great thing. Look at your neighbor. I'm so glad I was poor in spirit. 
It's a good thing, guys, because if you were a Murtaugh, you'd be, you, you would think, I don't need anything. I'm good. But when God busts your life and blows your life up and you realize, I need help, that's a great sign. We say it every time. Every, Barry says it every week. When you ask for help, it's a sign of strength. It isn't a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength like I can't do it. You're in prime position to get in touch with the love of your soul. You're in prime position. Isn't that great news? Great news that Jesus wants to come into your life and give you a real life. Wonderful news. Come on, man. That's great news. You guys know any lives that are broken and busted up? You showing them love or you showing them law? You showing them love? You beating them on the head with the Bible, are you? Smacking them around? Telling them to repent or burn? Is that what you're doing? Is that what you, Jesus did to you? Well, that's beside the point. I got a little bit of that myself, but not initially. That's when I got off the path. And he kept, pow, pow, pow. Okay? We're to show them love. And I think it's great when they realize, I need God. You need God in your marriage. Anybody need God in your marriage? Anybody live with just a sinner? All of us, right? And when you put two sinners together, one to run roof and they had a whole bunch of rugrats around, you need Jesus. He needs to be at the center. You're going to have to kill somebody over here, right? <laughs> Blessed are those that are poor in spirit because you know that you have a need that you cannot fill. There's no drug, there's no job, there's no house, there's no car, no truck, no nothing that's going to fill it. And you will remain poor in spirit until you come to Jesus. And all of a sudden you're like, wow, I'm still poor. Man, I got this rock. Talked to a guy this week. He's a Murtaugh disease. He's got everything. He made fun of my car. Made fun of my Corolla. It's a classic. It's a 95, paid for, 38 miles to the gallon. Brand new engine. Made fun of my car. And I'm thinking, I don't know what you're thinking, dude. I wouldn't trade lies with you for all the trucks, cars, vacations, Aruba trips all in the world. I literally would not do it. Because I have found a secret, and his name is Jesus. Right? And I was blessed and highly favored because I know Christ. And I look at my car, and I'm like, man, it's kind of funny, ironically. Ironically, that car took him to the Harley dealer to take his, to pick his Harley up. I said, the same car that you were dogging me up. Because it's got a little paint problem, right? It's got a big paint problem. You have painters near see me after church. Oh, good ones, I meant, Steve. But the point is, <laughs> the point is, guys, we're not rich. We're never going to be rich but we are rich beyond measure. It's unbelievable how rich we really are. It takes a minute to really realize it. I look poor, don't I? Don't say it, Kevin. But at one time, I was poor in the spirit, and that's when I gave my life to Christ on May 1st, 1993. I didn't know much about it. I didn't know Abraham from John the Baptist. I knew nothing, but I came to Christ with open heart and just. There's got to be another way, Jesus. And I took a knee to Jesus. I surrendered because I was shot. I was out of steam. I was, I was done. I was toast. That's a good place to be. How many of you guys in here have been to the end of the rope? Done, toast, put a fork in you. And how many of you go, you know what? I'm going to come to Jesus. He's going straight. I'm going to mess a little bit. You know what? Then I'm going to go ahead and do what I'm going to do. Thanks, deuces, for fixing me up a little bit. 
you're an idiot. Don't worry, you're in good company. We're all idiots too. And then you leave the repair shop halfway done. This is a lifelong thing. You don't start and then stop. Jesus said, actually Paul said in Philippians 1.6, I will finish what I was sent for. I will finish it. The good work that I started in you, I'm going to finish it. If you said yes to Jesus, it's, you're going to be miserable if you don't just get with the program. It's never going to happen. And then you'll stand before God on judgment day, not the big judgment because you know Jesus. But you'll be saved as one escaping the flames. How about that? You'll be the charcoal man, Kingsford man. Nobody wants that. Listen, when you say yes to Jesus, when you say yes to Jesus and you mean it, there should be a life change in your life, guys. There has to be a life change. So you've been walking with Jesus 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Trust me, you're still jacked up, but you should not be as jacked up. There should be not a whole lot of hidden spots. You should allow Christ to go in with his flashlight in all the crevices of your mind and clean up your act. It is what it is. We talked about having a divided mind. Like a man tossed about on the ways. I said to the guy, I said, let me ask you a question. It's looking more like when it hits the fan, not if it hits the fan. You guys get that, right? I don't know if you're paying attention to what's going on across the world. This is not a good time to not know Jesus. This is not a good time to be on the fence. This is not a good time, guys. Talk to another guy. I'm going to go back to that guy I was talking to. Talk to this guy. He's a pastor friend of mine. We have a couple of pastors we actually like. Most of them I don't. I just don't. I got about 12 I like because they're always trying to put the big spiritual muscles on. We don't have it. We got Jesus. That's what we have. I don't have any spiritual muscles. I, I, I don't know 50,000 doctrines, but one thing I do know, I was blind and now I see. I know that much. And I could go a long way with that message right there. But I said, uh, well, what are you going to do when it hits the fan? You know, rich folk, it hits the fan for you too. It's like, seems like people that I know are like, you got an anchor inside your boat with you. Like you're just going around, it's fine. You're tooling, that's a whole other story. But it's fine when you're tooling around and there's no storm. The anchor's in the boat with you. What are you going to tether to when it hits the fan? Not if, it's going to be a when. Yeah, wow, wow, wow. Never really, wow. I suggest you figure it out, Right? Did you know in Ukraine right now, we have a pastor friend that he has a friend that owns a bookstore. Guess what the first thing to sell out in the bookstore was? Can't find one. In America, they're on every shelf you can come across, and none of them are the right color. They're not red. Get it? R-E-A-D. Got you, Rich. I got you. Pick the thing open. Pick it up. It is full of promises. But first of all, you got to get it in order. you got to say yes to Jesus. And the cool thing is, Katrina, we were not from a, where'd she go? We were not from a religious background. Uh, my mom was uh, Catholic. My dad was Baptist. They, they, they just couldn't get it together. So you know what I'm saying? So we never went anywhere. To me, you can say, uh, and Lynn was from a Catholic background. God's a redeemer of time. God's a redeemer. So some of the scriptures he heard, believe it or not, they actually hear scriptures, mostly the Gospels. God brought it back because he caused us all to work for good. I didn't know anything, so I was a perfect candidate for Jesus. Ordinary, uneducated, you know, loser. <laughs> That's what I was. When I said yes to Jesus, I didn't have a preconceived notion 
of who he was. I just said, well, you look like a pretty smart fella, and you sound like Bill Clinton and I can at the time. <laughs> and he said, uh, you're a sinner. And I said, yeah, I know. I've heard that my whole life. I get it. I know that. See, I was poor in spirit. I had no, i tell you one thing, I've been going to church for about 15 years, dad's a deacon. <laughs> you know, I'm sinning like crazy, but I didn't have any of that. I just was like, I, I, I. I, I, I don't know what to do. He said, well, just invite Christ into your heart. You guys heard it last couple weeks ago. I came to him poor in spirit, and I, and I did. I invited Christ to my heart almost 30 years ago, guys. Now, they haven't really all been highlight years, let's be honest. But he's been faithful the entire time, even when I wasn't. I wasn't that faithful. But, you know, the longer that I walk with him, it seems like the road is getting straighter for me. I like my life in order. I like being a man that's not double-minded. I like being I'm the same guy on Saturday as I am on Friday and Wednesday, and that's all Jesus. That's all Jesus. Doesn't mean that I don't get a little upset. Ask Amanda. But I am getting better, aren't I? More patience with the grandkids? Love, joy, peace. Thank you, Jesus. But it all started with being poor in spirit. That's where it starts. There has to be a start, right? So I know uh, we're going to go and we're going to talk about the prodigal son as the and, and, and as we do these Beatitudes, guys, there's so much here. I wouldn't be surprised if we only get into the poor in spirit. You're OK with that, right? Because we could walk through these Beatitudes because there, I think the danger of, of Beatitudes and knowing the scripture, sometimes we just gloss over. I know it. I think that's a danger. And I think, you know, if, if this was the longest message by Jesus, doesn't it involve, uh, shouldn't we take our time with it? So we're going to talk about being poor in spirit. I'm going to give you a picture. Actually, I'm not going to, Jesus is going to give it. And then uh, if we make it to the next one, we do. If not, Barry will pick it up next time. Is that fair? Okay. Katrina's like, I don't really have it. Luke 16, I think. Let me make sure. Luke uh let me see. I think it's 16. Or I'm sorry, 15. Luke 15. Yeah, I'm going to go NLT because that's what I have here. Anybody ever been a prodigal son or a daughter? Raise your hand. Go ahead, Tim. Raise it. Come on. Come on. There you go. Anybody else not with their hand? Okay, good, good. Put it up, Kevin. I'm watching you. But this is really the story, not necessarily of the son. It's really the story of the father. It's all, by the way. Anybody see the Rams game when they won the championship in 1999? Remember the dude way up there? He had like a, like a black hat on. He was sitting up in section 138. Of the, remember that guy? Nobody remembers that guy because it's not his show. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about misfits. It's not about any denomination. This is about Jesus. This is about the love of the Father manifest through his son, Jesus Christ, who bore our sin. That's what the whole thing's about. And getting people in touch with him. Simple, isn't it? Everybody's like, wow, that's really simple. Wow. If somebody would have told me about Jesus when I was a kid, I wonder if I'd have got saved earlier. I mean, no man comes to the Father unless he's drawn. 
But sometimes I wonder what my life might have been like if I just would have known Jesus earlier in life. But the cool thing about not knowing Jesus earlier in life is I was such a loser, some other words, that my love for Christ, it actually, because Jesus said he has been forgiven much or loved much. There should be some lovers of Jesus big time in this church. It should be oozing out of some of you because I know your story. And if the love of Christ is not oozing out of you and you've been doing some of the things that I know that you've done, something is wrong. It should compel you to your knees and drive you to the point of thankfulness. I cannot believe you saved a wretch like me. I'm going to tell everybody I know about you. Because if you can save me, you can certainly save them. And I love that devotional, Tim. It was hardcore, but that is the straight-up truth. That's what this says. This isn't a beat-up, guys, right? But there might be a little flogging, a little beating going on. Challenging. Challenged by the word. Why don't we say that? Okay, the prodigal, which is really the father's story. Okay. Luke 15, verse 11. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them a story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. He's saying, hey, uh, hey old man, I want your dad because I want your stuff. You're not that important to me. Your stuff is important to me. I know too many Christians that say they love Jesus, but Jesus' blessings are more important than him himself. That should not be that way, guys. Even if there weren't streets of gold, even if there wasn't all the stuff, you got rooms and mansions and all the stuff in heaven, the love of Christ should be enough that you would want to be where he is. Because you know that's where true freedom comes from. That's where true love, God is love. Who wouldn't want to be with love? I want to be with love, man. It's God. You want to be with God. And we search for God. And all these things that we do, and all these feats, and all these things, and we get involved in drugs, and do all I, 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 You're looking for Christ. I think Augustine said, a soul is restless, will never find rest until it finds itself resting in Christ. It, you'll never find it. You will never be satisfied. You can, you can uh, do, there's no description. You just will, it won't happen. It just won't happen. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. There he wasted all his money in wild living. Let me say this. Um, no, I'm not going to say that. Anybody ever waste their money on wild living? In this church, everybody has, for real. There are a couple good people in here that maybe haven't, right? And we're raising a brand new generation that are going to love the Lord. You're not going to do that nonsense. You're going to be light bearers when we check out. Amen? That's what's going to happen. He's going to speak that over this, these young people, right? People say, oh, it's just this new generation. It's just horrible. There's not one. No, not one. There's always a remnant. There's always a remnant. Hang around that crew for a while. Hang around some of the other kids in this church while that love God. Right? But this guy said, I'm out. I'm leaving. A few days later, his younger thing. About this time, the money ran out. A great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He was becoming rather hungry. 
He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. Now, in the Jewish culture, there's nothing worse than this. You're literally like one of those guys that have the big tank, and you show up to the septic thing, and you, that's yeah, a pretty gnarly job. We love him, amen? We do. In fact, I have to have that done. So this guy was being humbled. That's a good thing. God chastens those he loves. Amen. And nobody likes it. Scripture say, while well, it's going on. But after, if you let God have his way, there'll be such an incredible uh, fruit out of that. Amen. It's so good. Everybody just loves going behind the woodshed. Look at your neighbor and say, we know you love the woodshed. Because if you take it right, then uh, later there's going to be a lot of good fruit for Jesus. Nobody wants to be chastened. The King James, you know what it says? Pete, tell them what the King James says. If you're not chastened by the Lord, what it says. Go ahead and say it. What? That's right. He just said bastards in church. That's what the King James Bible says. Right? That, that happened. The boy's like, Dad, this, this happens. Nobody likes it while it's happening. And you might as well, if, if God's got his thumb of discipline on you, just throw up the white flag and surrender for Pete's sake. It could get worked because he loves by degrees. He'll turn that up, turn up the heat a little more until you eventually surrender or he takes you home. Paul said some people actually went home to be with the Lord. And that's talking about communion, but I think it's applicable in this case. If, if, you're, if you're living a double life and you're living in flagrant sin, there could be a chance God just might just, oh, we're, going to take, we're going to take you out now. Come on up here. Now you're saved, amen. There's one escaping the flames. I think that could happen. Paul said it happened. Some even gone to sleep because they wouldn't, it wouldn't stop doing stupid stuff. Look at Jesus and say, Jesus, help me stop doing stupid things. In your name, amen. Because I can't do it. Your bar is so high. I just can't do it. I failed again, which drive you to your knees, which creates humility, which creates power to do the things that you can't do apart. So, I don't even know what that means, but that's what's going on. Okay. The man came so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. So here he is. I think he's really understanding that he's becoming poor in spirit. Would you agree? I mean, I had it going on back with my man. Now, uh, notice what didn't happen. Who's an enabler in here? Any enablers in here? Not everybody. Just Joe. So we have a lot of liars. God forgive them. Amen. They know not what they do. Notice what didn't happen with the prodigal. The king didn't say, now listen, James, come here. And my boy took off and took all my money. Actually, it's his money. What I want to do, I want to send some care packages. Okay? But don't tell them they're for me. Now, you just run alongside, kind of just report back to camp, and you give them some, I want them to have some money. I want them to have some food. I want them to have all those good things. Okay? Hit it. Go. He didn't do that. Why do we? Why do, I, I don't know, we love our kids, we love our spouses, we love our whatever we, we love, but sometimes you love so much you're getting in the way of God dealing with this person that needs to understand that they are spiritually bankrupt. 
You've got nothing. And we keep stuffing their pockets and doing all these things. I don't think we're necessarily helping God. Sometimes you, somebody in the Bible actually got turned over to Satan. Turn him over so he would be saved. Burn off all the crap off. Did I say that? Yes, I did. It happens. Forgive me, Jesus. Well, my point is he didn't enable. He didn't go get him. He didn't send a whole bunch of people. He simply waited. I guarantee he was praying. Oh, bring him home, Jesus. Bring him home. Keep him safe. Keep him safe. May he return to me. And watch what I'll do. If he would just come home. And you know there were a lot of sleepless nights, I'd imagine. Right? Watch what happens later. Because in the Jewish culture, they don't run. They got them long things, you know. You ever try to run in like a long thing? How do girls do that? What? That's exactly right. Right, gird them up. No one gave him anything. I actually have a thing right here. Enabling, no. Do not do this. When he finally came to his senses, do you think he would have come to his senses if he had been getting little care packs from dad? Do you think, do you think he would have uh, eventually, well, you'll see, okay. He probably wouldn't have, right? He said to himself, at home even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. The psalmist said, I've been young, I've been old, but I've never seen God's people begging for bread. Just I've, been, I've done all these things, I've never seen it, right? Hey, Barry, when you preach sometimes, don't you wish you could get a snapshot of everybody looking out that way? Anybody ever come to a census and say, I cannot believe I ended up here? How did I end here? How do I get back? How do I get back? I've screwed this thing up so far, there's no possible way you can fix this. But God is the God of second, third, fourth chances. The God of the third option, right? Israel was backed up to the Red Sea. They had no way out. But when they had no way out, guess where they turned? So when you have no way out, this thing is beyond you. You can't put these things back together. It's so jacked up. You're done. You're toast. You're spiritually bankrupt. You look up and say, Jesus, help me. And he goes, oh, I've been waiting for that. Let me come into the situation. We take care of business because that's what I do. I reconstruct. Now your job is going to be to comfort others with the same comfort you yourself have received because this ain't about you. It's about me and I'm the king. I don't know what it's like to be a veteran that has PTSD. I don't know what it's like. I don't know what it's like to be a spouse to lose a spouse. And the other spouse. I don't know what it's like to be different kinds of affliction. I do not know what it's like, but I know God does. He knows all about it. And he wants to incorporate you into the body of Christ to do your part for the edification of the other saints. And, of course, to reach a dying and lost world. We are in the last quarter. I really feel that. This is not a good time to be backsliding. This is not a good time to be double-minded. This is not a good time to have a secret life, guys. This is not. It's the wrong time. It's the wrong time of, of history to find yourself on the wrong side of faith. It's the wrong time. It's not the right time. It's, they're, they're all the wrong time because you're not promised tomorrow. <laughs> it's never... A good time to not know Jesus and walk in obedience. It's just not. You know, and as, as a guy that has a rebellious kind of nature, I've been up 
down and all around, I can tell you it's a lot easier just putting the yoke of Christ on. His burden is easy as yoke. Easy, yeah, easy, yeah, yeah, that one. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. It is. Everybody's wearing a yoke. Everybody's wearing a yoke of some sort. But the yoke that Christ put on, you know it's tailor-made just for you? On a yoke, in the old days, they would yoke up the oxen, yoke them together. You know, two oxen walking along. Did you know it wasn't just standard oak? You can't go buy one at Walmart to go get a yoke. They would have to have this thing custom-made, custom-tailored for, for the other oxen. When you put on the yoke of Jesus, it's just for you. So you're walking side by side with Jesus. You're getting to know him. Getting to know you. Getting to know you better. Right? That's what the whole thing's about. We're just walking along with Jesus. He's revealing things about me that I need to change or I should let him change, probably more aptly, that, that he wants to change, some character flaws that I have. And I've got a lot of them, guys. That's one of my closest friends over there. As iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. Amen? That's why we confess our sins to one another. We confess our sins. We bring it all out into the light. And we say, God, deal with this because, man, I, I, I just can't. This, the Beatitudes, I can't live up to. I can't do it. And, again, it drives you to humility, drives you to your knees, and then you're infused with that grace to actually do the things that you can't do, but he can through you. Isn't that great? I know it's kind of a paradox because in, 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 the, uh, in God's way, the way up is down. I think that's pretty cool that. The law came down, Jesus came up. It's like, I don't think a thing is wasted in the Bible. I don't think that there's a, not one piece in there that if you couldn't look deeper, you would see a deeper understanding and, and understand there's a deeper, deeper meaning on everything because it's God's word. And you would go, wow, could it be that he did that intentionally because Jesus' ways are completely different? You know, in, in here, speaking of Beatitudes, get all you can. I'm going to be a tough guy. Some of the biggest tough guys, Pete, we talked about this, are wimps. Just wimps. They think they're tough because they could beat you up or whatever. But spiritually, they're, they're babies. Can you imagine a big tough guy with like mother tattoo on his arm? Walking around with like a little bottle? Because in the spiritual, we see him and go, you're not that tough, dude. You're a wimp. Right? I think the Hebrew word is wuss. That's what you are. You're not that funny. You're not that funny. You're not that tough. In fact, I had a friend downtown, and this guy was tough. He was tough. Did 25 years. Actually did 13, then tried to break out because it made a gun out, made a gun out of a piece of metal, stole a bullet from a guard, and he busted out of there, and he gave him 12 more years. Great beard. He used to come to our house all the time. Man, I knew him well. Got saved, though. Amen. But he was still tough. He said, you know what? You think that I'm a tough guy. But you Christians that are doing this thing the right way and you're, you're, you're learning about Jesus, you guys are the tough guys. I'm thinking, I'm not that tough. Jesus is tough in me. Or I'm weak, then I am strong. It's a paradox. Everything way up, way down, everything's backward. You should be called Majnik, the Majnik of God, the kingdom. It's backward. The way up, the way down. You're tough, but you should be weak. You know, you should... First should be last, right? Because his way are in our ways. 
And I think this is a great confession right here. Watch this. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. You talk about some humility. That's it. You come to God the Father, and you say, I've blown it. I, I don't even know you. I didn't know about you. I didn't know about Jesus. I didn't know what you did for me. I didn't know any of this stuff. I lived my life for the 25 or 30 or 45 years. I didn't know. Will you forgive me? I have sinned against you. Instantly. And I would like to invite Christ. I would like Christ to become my Savior. Instantly, if you meant it. That's what he does. And he comes and he starts reconstructing because he recognizes he met you at your poorness of spirit. It's so good. Isn't that good? So good. So here he is. He's never been bigger. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still, what? A long way off. You see, the father never stopped looking for you. The father has never stopped looking for you, waiting and looking every day, getting up. Is today the day? Is today my, today my boy, my daughter comes home? Is today the day? Oh, look, I see him. But you got to make it all the way back. You can't turn it and stop. Turn it and, well, you know, it's just too far back. You have to turn and make it back to the king's house. But he still sees you a long way. He sees your heart turning and being bent and inclined to the things of the Spirit. And he's cheering you on. I believe all heaven's cheering you on at the same time. Go, 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 go. And I think it breaks the heart of God when you see a person turn and they want to go back and they stop for whatever reason. They get distracted or I'm just too busy. I got to do what I got to do, man. Whatever it is. It should not be that way. And you're running out of time. You're running out of time. It is what it is. Right now, the, the age of grace is open wide. Amen. Plenty of room at the cross, but it's closing. And it, one day, that door will slam. It's going to be too late. Could be tonight on the way home. That's hard stuff, isn't it, guys? But isn't it good? For all of us that said yes to Jesus, nothing can pluck you out of the hands of God. Nothing. Nothing can separate you. Nothing can, nothing. The Hebrew word for that is nothing. Nothing, the Greek. Nothing can separate you. Isn't that great news? Nothing can pluck you out. Oh, you'll screw it up. Trust me, you'll try it. If you screwed it up, look. Thanks, Steve. Joe, Rob, you too. But, but his father said to the servant, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. I think it's a, such a cool picture, being clothed with Christ. When God looks at me, a big pile of dung, you know what Martin Luther called the Christian? Snow-covered dung. For real. When Christ put his coat on me, his robe on me on May 1st, 1993, no longer were my sins visible to him. He sees my life through the lens of Christ, through the blood, through the accomplished worth on the cross. And he looks at me and goes, hey, check him out. He's perfect. He's an idiot, but he's perfect. A real idiot, but he's perfect. And what is where I am in practice or in position? Right now, in position... One day I'm going to be that in practice. One day I'm actually going to be able to not sin. 
Hallelujah. It breaks my heart when I blow it for God. We're going to get into that next week. I hate letting God down. I hate it. It drives me to my knees to ask him, God, help me do this. I can't do it. And he says, great. I'm, I'm glad that you realize that, Randy. I'm glad you're such a loser. You realize that apart from me, you can do no thing, nothing. So why don't you just remain in me, and then I'll remain in you, and then you can do some stuff. Well, it just sounds so easy like that, Jesus, doesn't it? Right? Because it's so simple, but yet it's hard. So here he is. He's getting his reward. He comes back. He thought his dad was going to give him the business, right? You know what religion does? I'll tell you what religion is like. It's also on Facebook. It's really good and pithy, and I love pithy things. Pithy just sounds like pithy. pithy, pithy. Anyway, it said religion says this. Man, I've blown it. My dad's going to kill me. You know what a relationship with Jesus says? Man, I blew it. i got to get back and tell my dad about this. That's the difference. Is that great? Religion condemns you. It condemned Jesus. A relationship with Christ says, I can't, man, I, 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 I can't get it right. Will you forgive me? And of course, Jesus says, absolutely, I forgot. What were we talking about? I've already forgiven you before you asked. You don't have to ask forgiveness. We do that to keep short accounts. I do that to keep my mind clear. I do that because I want to remain humble at heart because I might think that I can bring something to the table. I got nothing to bring to the table. Nothing that he hasn't given me. Every good, perfect gift comes from him anyway. My job, my wife, my kids, my grandkids, my friends, my new friends, my old friends, everything, the position, it all comes from him. It should drive us to the point I'm so thankful, Jesus. Thank you for saving such a wreck, wretch like me. And kill the calf. We've been fattening. We must celebrate with the feast for the son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. You know, when you say yes to Jesus and you're born again, you went from death to life. Did, isn't that great? If you've been born again in the last five years, raise your hands. Look at that. We're adding to the family. Amen? Wow, that's great. That's great. I love it. <laughs> he was lost, but now he's found. Oh, wait a minute. I know some of you guys like this one. So the party began. You know when one person returns to God? When one sinner comes home? When one prodigal returns to the king's house? You know, heaven throws a party. Did you know that? That's for real. There's a party going on. There's a party going on right here. Celebration to last 10 million years. Something like that, you know. That's cool in the game. That's true, guys. And here's the thing. He invites you to be a, a part of the process, to be an ambassador for Jesus. How about that? And he comes along at the most uncanny times, doesn't he? You're at a party. You're having fun. I got a kind of a guy. He's kind of a tough guy, friend of mine. He's a tough guy, you know, good-looking guy. And I'm at a party. And uh, we, we just kind of clown around. It's always been like, hey, what's up, Matthew? You know, yeah. He hurts a lot, more, but I don't let him know. See what I'm saying? Because I'm tough. Spiritually tough, that is. And when you know it, God just opened up a segue just to crack in this veneer, this facade, 
just a little bit, that he could peer beyond that and see the man that he could be if he would just come to Christ. I could see the life that he could have. And I see this because I've been doing it for so long, and God's given me wisdom to see these things. And I simply ask him, come to church sometime. I believe God's going to do something amazing there. You have been given the ministry of reconciliation, not just me because I'm the minister, not just Barry's job, not just Pete and Joshua and some of the other guys that have become leaders in this church. It's your job, your job, your responsibility because you're an ambassador. Amen. I'm an ambassador for the king. Look at your neighbor and say, you don't look like one, but you are. Amen. That's great, isn't it? Because he chose the foolish things to shame the wise, the Bible says. Right? He could have come here and went to all the big shots. Jesus came to the sick, the messed up, the lepers, and all these clowns came to them. Because when somebody gets saved, he gets all the glory. It's no ministry. We don't lead somebody to Christ. God actually graciously allows you to participate in what he ordained before the beginning of time. Amen? How about that? It's like, oh, okay, I'm just a little errand boy. And you just go. Now, that's funny, isn't it? But I want you to think about that. Everything that we do is for him. And I love, here's the thing, guys. I love making people laugh. I think I'm good at it. I think Jesus. But if you guys leave here and miss the message, and you look at the messenger, instead of hearing the message, we have not done our job. I believe in making it fun. I think church should be fun. I believe as Christians we should have more fun from everybody because our party is yet to even happen. Right? That's when we get through this thing. Then the party begins. The real party begins. So if you love the Lord, you're going to want to be looking for the poor in spirit to give them an answer for the hope that you have. If you don't believe it, why should they? Right? Let me say what I see way too much. Okay. I'm a Christian, going to church, and I've taken the yoke of Jesus and becoming a big drag. And I know that you're having immense amounts of fun, going to parties and doing all the fun things that I can't do, but I would like you to come to church and become like me. I've got to be honest, guys. That was a lot of Christians that I saw before 1993. Now, it could have been at just the right time God opened my eyes because the devil has people in bondage and he has a veil over their eyes that they can't see the truth, right? But you should be looking. You should be able to see beyond that. You who are spiritual, think about these things, right? And for Pete's sake, lighten up and have a little fun. Good Lord. Gosh. And we're kingdom kids. The kingdom come, like now. We should be living this way right now. When somebody looks into your life, how are you possibly dealing with some of the stuff going on in your life? And you seem to have this light emanating from you. We talked about being precious, uh, the message is in precious clay jars. Clay jars cracked. People can see into your life if you're not faking it. If you're not covering up like everything's fine, I'm okay. But if you allow the world to see through that facade and say the only reason I'm carrying on is because I 
I have the love of Christ in my heart. It's the only reason. There's no, there's no logical explanation why I should have any joy, any happiness, any peace. There's no logical reason. It's Christ living in me. That's the only way. Is that great? Look at your neighbor and say this great. Give me some expressions, please. Come on. I love you guys. Is there anything better than coming to church on a Saturday night? Don't you, you, you skip the hangovers too, amen? Jesus plus nothing. Anybody love sobriety? Anybody miss hangovers? Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus because hangovers suck. Right. Well, we're going to get into that later. That's at the end of the Beatitudes. We're just, I only made it through one tonight, but then we're going to talk about that. Persecuting for righteousness sake. We're going to get into that later. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. So the other brother's sitting here, I've been doing all this stuff right. I've been following all the rules. I've been doing all this stuff. I'm doing this idiot out there doing drugs. Got him there involved in that alcohol, cheating on the old lady. And he got forgiven? Unbelievable. That's religion. Look, that's religion, guys, okay? He did all this stuff. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've shared, I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And in all the time you never gave me one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when <laughs> this son of yours, notice he didn't say my brother, this son of yours, okay? Let's get this right. No brother of mine. Son of yours came back after squandering your money on prostitutes. You celebrated by bringing the killing the fatted cow. Now watch this. We're going to end. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed with me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. You know, religious people are funny. When they see us having so much fun in the Lord, the right kind of fun, amen? I've been on both sides and it's a lot better. I can't believe you let some of the people and misfits have done some of the things they've done. That's the whole point of the gospel, guys. That's the whole point. Leadership. We have guys that have been in jail, been in prison, been drunk for 20 years, and there are leaders in this church. Amen. Praise God. Isn't that great? That's the restoration. That's the beauty of the gospel. Right? Okay. We're going to land the plane. And next, uh, next week, Dr. James Sutton is coming in. Because I'm taking Lynn on a romantic camping trip. Amen. That doesn't mean you guys better come. Now it's too cold for that. We blew that trip off, and Lynn goes, well, let's just do the romantic trip. Get the camper. Hey, man, because we got a heater. It's going to be great. <laughs> so we're going to pause next week on the Beatitudes, and we're going to get back into that with Barry the following week. Next week, I really, uh, Dr. James Sutton, another great uh, picture of the gospel, was in prison when we met him. In prison. Federal penitentiary. Now he's Dr. James Sutton from Walking Truth Ministries. Another picture, another display of the gospel in action. Isn't that great? So uh, I'm going to close, and I want you guys to, to, to close your eyes, 
And I'm going to ask the question, if anybody would like to be born again, uh, and then if that would be you, or you want to be saved, you know you have to make a verbal confession. You, Hey, Jamie, can you do some piano for me? And don't worry, we're not going to be here past 12. Just relax. Just kidding, we're not going to do that. I wouldn't do that to you. But I know for a fact, in a church like this, there are people struggling. That's all part of the Christian walk, amen? That's just part of it. If, okay, Pete, can you come down here, stand here? Okay. Yeah. Zach. Tim, just stand right here. If you guys need prayer for anything, now's the time. We don't do this very often. We're going to do it tonight, right? Uh, if you guys need prayer for something, come up to, we need some, some girls. Isn't that come on up here? If you're a woman, you need some prayer, go to the woman. If you're men, you need prayer, go to the men. Uh, if there's anything you need prayed for, maybe you're struggling with an addiction, maybe you don't know Christ, maybe you've never been born again. Why? What, 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 what? Or maybe you go, I, I thought I was a Christian, I don't know. Come down now, uh, and we'll talk, to, we'll talk about it. It's not going to be, we're not going to strong army. We're not going to uh, get you in a noogie, surrender to Jesus. But we're going to beseech you to be reconciled to Jesus. We're, we're going we're gonna to say that. Because you need it. You've heard tonight. So is there anybody? Want to start your walk with Jesus tonight? Want to get back on the track with Jesus tonight? There's one. And remember, you're never bigger. You're never bigger than when you say yes to Jesus. Anybody else? tonight it all begins with a single step right Danny I can look out and I've been with a lot of the people that have been saved here over the years and it all begins with the initial step one step to Jesus okay you guys ready to close you sure there's not somebody tonight okay. Father God we thank you for tonight Lord we thank you that even now you're working in the hearts of men and women, Lord, because you want us to come home. Lord, we recognize that we're poor in spirit. We have nothing but by your hands, Lord. And we know that when you say yes to Jesus, you break the banks of, Jane, or of, of heaven, as Jamie always says, Lord. And you celebrate when we come home to you, Lord. We pray for tonight's service. We thank you, Jesus. We pray the seeds that went out tonight, we casted our bread on the water. We pray that you would water. Bring a waterer, Lord. Bring, just bring, bring, and you bring the increase, Lord. So we thank you for what you're doing here, Lord, even now and even throughout the coming week. In Jesus' name, amen.